Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Give up your hopeless attempts to escape. We're going to devote our energies to sports and gardening, all the cultural pursuits. Meanwhile... We dig. How many are you taking out? 250. 250? Sedgwick Manufacturer, Griffith, I said Taylor, Nimon Haynes Diversions. Which one's a forgery? Uh, they both are. It is the sworn duty of all officers to try to escape. There will be no escapes from this camp. Oh my God, they phoned Tom. Ed Robertson, along with our guest Lawrence Montaigne. Lawrence has appeared in 25 films and more than 200 television episodes of such classic shows as The Fugitive, Batman, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and of course Star Trek, the original series. Lawrence is also the author of a Vulcan Odyssey, the story of his life, and career in and out of the film and television industry, and The Guardian List, a novel, which we'll ask Lawrence about in just a second. Both The Guardian List and A Vulcan Odyssey are available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. This conversation originally aired in August 2012 on TV Confidential. Lawrence Montaigne passed away in March 2017. We'll go back to Star Trek in just a second, Lawrence. But first, I want to, I want to touch on some of the other things you've done in your film career, not the least of which was The Great Escape, uh, directed by John Sturgis with Steve McQueen, James Garner, uh, uh, James Colbert, and a host of other actors. You were in... Europe at the time, I believe. You had just filmed a movie with Guy Williams. How did that lead you to The Great Escape? When the Moorish Company came in, they set up a casting thing, and they uh, interviewed all the actors that were on Captain Sinbad, the, the Guy Williams film, film I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, I got lost in the crack, and they didn't interview me, and I never got a, an interview. And... Uh, because my agent was out of town, and uh, but uh, I, I managed at the last minute to get over to the Mirage Company and meet John Sturgis and the producer, and uh, uh, and I read for them, and I read for the part of X. I don't know if you remember the film, but X was uh, Richard Attenborough played it, mm-hmm. but I thought that was the part I was gonna I was gonna read for, and I read for it, and it. I didn't get it, of course, yeah. uh, because it was already preordained that Richard Attenborough, Dickie Attenborough, was going to do it. But I did get the part of Haynes, and uh, it was it was a rather uh, a small role, but I, I I love the idea of doing it. But what happened was when we went to work, and I think it was on May first of sixty uh, one, and we went to work, and Stephen Queen showed up. And Steve's face was all bandaged, and he had gotten into an accident mm-hmm. racing. So we had to shoot around him. And in the first week or so, Steve did not like the script. And he went to the 
production, and he said, listen, I, I don't like doing this. This is not what I imagined it was going to be like. So they flew in the writer from Hollywood, and they closed down production and sent us all home. About a week later, they called us back, and the assistant director handed me a new script. And my part had gone from five weeks to five months. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I was in a coma. <laughs> I looked at the script and I said, wait a second, am I still playing Haynes? And they said, yeah. I said, that's great. <laughs> you know? And it was, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful because I got to do things. In, you know, I wrote something in my book, and I, I'll, I'll repeat it now. I said, every actor should have a great escape. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in every sense of the word, uh, because it was, it was a key. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came back to the United States, I came back to the United States only uh, about, uh, what was it, about, about six months mm -hmm. after The Great Escape was released. And I walked into offices and people would say, oh, yeah, you're the guy that played. And it, was, it, would, it opened up doors. That's right. It was the key to the kingdom. Which, for a working actor, that is everything you can ask for and more, because, you know, you're always looking for your next thing. Exactly. It was so beautiful. It was, it was wonderful. And I had, a direct, I had a, an agent that would take me by the hand mm -hmm. and take me to the studio. You can't do this anymore. Yeah. And take me to the studios and walk into an office and say, uh, this is Lawrence Montaigne. We'd like to see so-and-so. He was in The Great Escape, and ba-da-boom. <laughs> I mean, I'd end up in Irwin Allen's office. I'd end up in, in, in the offices of all the best producers and, and directors in town. Just, just because my agent was, he was on it, you know. Now, one of the, if, if I remember correctly, one of the first television roles you got uh, after you returned to L.A. after The Great Escape was uh, you, you did a few episodes with uh, David Niven on a show that nobody remembers. I remember uh, it because I, I do because I, I, I do this for a living. But it, was, it was a show called yeah. The Rogues, and I understand. I know. David Dibble. I know, it was so much fun. It was, and not only that, but I, I did three episodes. Mm -hmm. But if you look at them, they're all different characters. It, it was just, it was just fun to do. But here's the deal. Uh, I knew David from Rome. And when he saw me on the set, he said, we've got five actors, steady actors on the show, whose ages combined are over 200 years. <laughs> We need young blood. Yeah. Would you like to be on the show? And that's what precipitated me working on it. But unfortunately, when this happened, the show was on its way out. Yeah. But David wanted to try and talk the producers into having me as a regular on the show. Because I was young at the time. I was a youngster, you know. And uh, But he was great. He, he was just, he, he was great to work with. Now, I'm, try I'm trying to remember, The Rogues was done for Four Star, correct? It was done for Four Star. It was out in the valley at CBS, mm -hmm. uh, North Hollywood. Okay, and then uh, I'm trying to think. It would have been around that time you would got the attention of a very young Aaron Spelling, who was also uh, producing a show uh, at Four Star uh, with Gene Barry. Exactly, and I worked on that show. Uh, I did a couple of episodes. 
of it was Amos Burke's secret agent, which was which was the yeah, you got swap. it, Amos Burke's secret agent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I did a couple of episodes uh, uh, with that, and and that was great. In the process, I met Murray Golden, mm-hmm. and Murray Golden, I, I was I was interviewing for a gold smuggler. You ready for this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, talk about it. coincidence. Yeah. But he was he was uh, a German. A Swiss gold smuggler, excuse me. So I had to walk, I had to do the accent. I walked in, and when I walked into Aaron Spelling's office, there was a huge, beautiful German shepherd dog. And the dog came dashing across the room at me. And I dropped to my knees, and I threw my arms around him, and I said, Oh, my God, in Himmel, I'm, 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 I'm a shepherd, oh, das ist wunderbar, I'm going on like a raving idiot, you know, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And there's a half a dozen people sitting there looking at me like I'm nuts. <laughs> and this was my introduction to Murray Golden. And I, I continued with the accent. And then when I got done with my reading, and everybody was kind of looking at me, and I finally turned to them and I said, can I drop this lousy accent now? <laughs> <laughs> they thought, my God. And that's how I got to work for, for Spelling and for uh, Murray Golden. And Murray Golden took me on to a dozen shows after that. Uh, just by telling the production, I want Lawrence Montaigne for this role. And uh, that's also how I got to work for Irwin Allen, was through Murray Golden. Uh, I want to get to Irwin Allen in just a second, but uh, you worked with Cesar Romero around uh, maybe within a year of that. You did uh, you did a two-parter of Batman. Yeah. I don't remember whether Murray did that show or not, but I was wondering, what, what memories do you have of working with Cesar Romero? Well, he was... He was a big pussycat, you know. I mean, he was huge, he was a big guy, mm-hmm. and he was a pussycat, and he was just funny as hell. And and I felt a little intimidated. I got to be honest with you, but but because I could wrap myself up in the role because I played a robot, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I, I you know uh, if I had to play a role uh, where I had to uh, interact with Caesar Romero, yeah. he would have eaten me alive. Yeah. But because I was this. I wasn't actually an actor. I, I was a robot, and and he was controlling me. So that worked out fine, you know. And uh, it was beautiful. It was it, if you ever saw the two episodes, they were they were a lot of fun. Batman, of course, was very stylized. It was camp, but making Batman was kind of like making the airplane movies in the seventies and the eighties, in that you you had to play it straight because if you're trying to be funny. It wouldn't work. I mean, oh no, 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 no! You, you, you were dead. Yeah, yeah. You have to play it straight, really. Yeah. Is it hard to do that, or do you, or do you just follow what the director, you know? Well, you know, when you think about it, it's what Leonard Nimoy did when he played the Spock. Uh, you know, he played it straight. He, you, you couldn't uh, do your personality thing. You know, some of the, the in most of the roles I played, I take my personality and using it, I, I work into the character. But in these roles where you play a robot or you play Spock or something like that, you're very stoic, very, very uh, uh, centered, you know, and you don't get a chance to, to go over the edge. And, and it, it takes a lot of concentration to do something like that. I, I always admired Leonard for being able to do that, you know. 
uh, because I tried it and it didn't work too well. <laughs> well, that's what you do as an actor. You find whatever it takes to um, make it, it work for you. Make it work for you. And uh, yeah. we're having a good time talking to our friend Lawrence Montaigne. Lawrence is best known for his appearances as Stan and Decius in Star Trek The Original Series, which he talks about in his autobiography, A Vulcan Odyssey, A Vulcan Odyssey, which is available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. This conversation originally aired in August 2012. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We, we are, are the real Brady, Brady Bros. Bros. TV Confidential, Lawrence Montaigne passed away in March 2017. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. We'll go back to uh, your experience on, on Star Trek in just a second. But first, uh, we've been talking about your autobiography, A Vulcan Odyssey. Uh, you just uh, released your first novel, Lawrence, called The Guardian List. Tell us a little bit about The Guardian List. All right. Well, I, I don't want to get in too deep on it because uh, I don't want to give it away. Absolutely. But um, someone read it. And they they said that uh, if you think about it, uh, how often uh, we as as citizens uh, pick up our newspaper and we read about recidivist criminals, criminals that have been through the the, the legal system, been through the the courts and the prison systems, only to come back out and commit crimes again against the society. And this book is a uh, about a group of people. Now, you don't want to, they're not vigilantes, but they're retired policemen who are very, very into their retirement. They belong to this group, and they are committed to taking out these criminals mm -hmm. at the cost of their own lives. I won't uh, get into it too deeply. The main character is a retired uh, man who owned a, a printing company, has a lot of money. Uh, he's also uh, part of this group. is a priest who's uh, one of his uh, one of the people in his church, uh, a nun, is killed by a raving maniac, mm -hmm. uh, and who gets away, and uh, so. Uh, he, his faith is questioned, and uh, uh, he is part of this group. So there are some very interesting characters, uh, and uh, uh, how they work, and how they're able to to equalize the the uh, um, the score, to settle the score, mm -hmm. so to speak. 
and uh, th this is basically what it's about, but I don't want to uh, get into it too deeply. What? It's on Kindle right now, okay. and it's being prepared right now to go into uh, circulation, Amazon. Okay, and by the time this broadcast airs, uh, the book will be in circulation, and you can find it at Amazon.com? Great. I think that's, that would be it, yes. Yes. I think you've nailed it. Okay. Um, um, I've got some people working on it right now. Okay, very good. This is your first novel, but this is not your first go-round at storytelling at one point in your career you were a working screenwriter uh, I was I was I was under uh, I went under contract to Disney mm -hmm. as a screenwriter uh, I had submitted a story to Jerome Cortland who I knew from Europe and Jerry read my synopsis of a screen uh, of a story I had uh, called The Million Dollar Dixie Deliverance mm -hmm. long title but uh, we were very fortunate uh, Jerry was able to put it together at Disney, and uh, they sent me down to Lumpkin, Georgia, wonderful place, and uh, I was able to work as, as a line producer on the show. And uh, well, it started out as a, as a theatrical, but they weren't able to put it together, uh, and they uh, released it as a two-part television thing, unfortunately, because it got great reviews. And it was uh, it was accepted very well. Brock Peters, do you, I don't know if you remember Brock Peters. I do, and so do my I do, and yeah. so do my listeners. Yeah. And that was that was uh, one of the uh, f films I wrote. You've written screenplays. You've written a novel. I believe you're working on another novel. Do you prefer one form over the other, or do, or do they both uh, have their advantages for you? You know, I, I said before, everything in its time and place. When I'm working on something, uh, now, for instance, let me give you an example. Uh, I wrote a screenplay for Steve McQueen, and uh, this was after we had done The Great Escape. The Great Escape, mm -hmm. and Bud Eakins, who was Steve's stuntman, and I became very friendly. And Bud Eakins told me about that he had a warehouse full of old vintage motorcycles. And I don't know, for some reason, it just uh, uh, clicked in my mind. And I wrote a screenplay called Cyclone 25, mm -hmm. which was uh, a motorcycle uh, in 1925 that was on the circuit, and uh, the racing circuit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we showed it to Steve, and he really liked it, and he wanted some changes that uh, the leading lady role was built up and so uh, Ali McGraw his wife mm -hmm. could be in the film with mm -hmm. him so I went back to the drawing board and we worked on it and it was coming along fine and that was just about the time that Steve went down to Mexico uh, with cancer yeah. and that was the end of that that screenplay was put on the back burner until about two years ago I pulled it out and I said gee this ought to be turned into a novel and I started to work on it. I'm still working on it, uh, trying to bring it to life as a, a novel uh, for that medium. It's still, I still think it's, it's a, a great book or a great uh, screenplay. Mm -hmm. But I'm in Vegas, and uh, 
it's tough to uh, sell people on a screenplay when you're you're not in the marketplace. You know what I'm saying? I I know I know exactly what you're saying. But then again, we're talking about you know working actors, working writers uh, are all the ones who thrive and succeed. Do so because they're versatile. And if you have a good story and you're not able to market it as a screenplay, if you have the time, you can uh, adapt it long form as a novel. That's what I hope to be doing. Yes. Uh, I've, I've got the first draft on it, and I've got to go back to the drawing board and start to enlarge it uh, to make it a, a full novel. The Guardian list is uh, 355 pages. Uh, the first draft of Cyclone 25 only came out to 126 pages. So you can see that I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, but, but the great thing about uh, the novel, Lawrence, is that it's as long as you need it to be to tell the story you need to tell. Yeah, but you don't want to come up short with 125. Well, that's true. That's that's true. That's that's true. The other thing, uh, what 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 I think of uh, actors who who write screenplays and novels. I think of the uh, line Albert Brooks said about a year ago when he released his first novel. He said, "The great thing about writing a novel versus writing a screenplay is that you you write the novel and you don't have to worry about notes." Because whenever you write a screenplay, you know, uh, it goes through one chain of command to another, and everyone comes back with notes for rewrites. And you don't have to worry about that as a novelist. You just tell the story. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're talking to Lawrence Montaigne. Lawrence is best known for his appearances as Ston and Decius in Star Trek The Original Series, which he talks about in his autobiography, A Vulcan Odyssey. We'll continue our conversation with Lawrence about his life and career before and after Star Trek here on TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, hoping you're enjoying this encore presentation of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand new edition of the program next week. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.